and I was crying. I, I cried with a cat in a U-Haul uh, as a grown man because I loved Nashville so much. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 120 of the Between You and Me podcast. This is the place where we talk to music makers about the things that hurt, heal, and change us in the church. My name is Jessica Morris. I'm a music journalist currently based in Australia, and a few years ago, I lived in Nashville. And I was a bit disillusioned with what I saw there. I was sitting at a Chris Tomlin concert. Actually, it wasn't a Chris Tomlin concert. It was an Easter Good Friday experience at Bridgestone Arena. And I remember seeing Chris Tomlin singing How Great Is Our God and just seeing people around me eating popcorn. And I was so dumbfounded. I could not get my head around what was happening. How was this How was this American Evangelical Church celebrating one of the most sacred days of the Christian calendar? And I was so judgmental. And I was looking around at these thousands of people who all looked like me, thinking, man, I can't believe who they are. And as I looked, I heard, well, I felt like I heard God. I heard the divine. I had such a sense that I was one of those people. And I realized that I was crucifying the same church that I was a part of. What did I do with that? Well, my challenge was if I belong to this group of people, I need to love them. And in order to love them well, I need to make sure that I'm right before God and then tell stories and share the word of God so that they can also know who he is. My first step in doing that as a journalist, the tools of my trade, are a pen, paper, and apparently a microphone. I started talking to musicians in the evangelical Christian music industry and in the wider music industry as a whole, who have sort of grown up in Christian culture, about what really went on in Nashville, about what went on under the table and and in green rooms and when you sit at the bar and you're like debriefing to a friend at night. And I started hearing all these stories about the humanity of people. And it was hard and heartbreaking because you also hear stories about hypocrisy and pain and death and heartbreak. And what's been amazing over these last three years that we've been doing this podcast is that the divides in the church as a whole across the across the world have become so, so poignant. Like we know our political differences and our core values, where they differ now. What has been amazing is that in these conversations, I have learned to meet the humanity and see to see the God image in the person that I would disagree with and be able to, one, hear it from their story, but also experience it through their music means that I know I share a place at a table of a very big, diverse, vast, broad church, a group of people who are never always right, a group of people who are growing and a group of people where we need to have compassion and kindness and empathy as we work towards justice and righteousness. Now, that's not to say I have all the answers. I do not have all the answers. But this last three years, I have learned to love God's people. I'm still on a journey to loving the church. I don't know if I'll ever love religion or, or dogma or institution. But God's people I can love step by step. Because if I can see the God image in them and meet their brokenness because they can meet mine, then I think that maybe we have some hope. That's why I started the Between You and Me podcast. And that's what leads me to today's guest. Today, I'm introducing you to the Wood Drake Sessions. That's Wood Drake Sessions. After a poem, which you will actually hear in this interview. Now, the Wood Drake Sessions is created, headed up by two incredible musicians, like I said, Kirk Sawyers and Paul Ranheim. Now, individually, they are both singer-songwriters. They both are pastors at their own churches in respective locations, neither in Nashville, funnily enough. But they came together at the start of COVID and started collaborating over Zoom and trying to write really honest worship songs to figure out 
where God was in the midst of so much chaos and turmoil. It was their way of grappling with what the Bible said about equity and injustice and reconciliation and worship in light of everything that was going on in the world. It turned into a collection of songs and they called themselves the Wood Drake Sessions. Essentially, it's about being still and finding hope in God. And part of that, as you find out through this interview, is by actually recognising the deep, deep pain of loss and death and grief, which I think we are all heartbreakingly familiar with in the past few years. Today, you're going to hear my interview with Paul and Kirk. They're going to share uh, about their individual musical journeys, but also how they work together and what it actually means for them to create worship music that reflects the whole of the Bible. So not just upward worship, but worship that talks about justice. Now, before we dive into the interview, I do want to highlight one point, which I think is incredibly cool. The Wood Drake Sessions is headed by Kirk and Paul, but they don't lead every single one of their songs on their new album, which is called From the Valley to the Golden Shore. In fact, they immediately thought of friends and other musicians that they knew of when they were writing these songs and thought, we want that voice. We want this community to sing something. And all of a sudden, this has become more than just a project of two people in their respective like little studios. It's become the sound of various people in the church and in the music industry singing what is true and real and right and honest and hopeful. So they've got people like Sandra McCracken on this album. So we're about to dive into the who, what, when, where, why of the Wood Drake Sessions, just to give you a 101 on who these men are, what they're creating and the new album. Then you're going to hear my interview with Kirk and Paul. Along the way, you will hear some of their spectacular worship songs. All right, here we go. Wood Drake Sessions. Named after the words of the poem The Peace of Wild Things by Wendell Berry, the Wood Drake Sessions is comprised of Paul Ranheim and Kirk Sawyers. And as individual singer-songwriters, they met in Nashville some years ago on the writer's circuit. Now they have both written music for other artists for two decades. At the same time, like many in Nashville, they've also been acting in ministry positions at churches. And during this time, Paul even released his own album. But I digress, because while Paul and Kirk are both known and loved in Nashville, neither of them still live there. A couple of years ago, Paul and his family moved to Colorado to minister to church, and Kirk and his family picked up and moved to Augusta, Georgia to do the same. Yet they still kept their friendship going long distance, and they began talking about collaborating together as songwriters again. Then COVID-19 hit. And in early 2020, instead of flying out for an epic songwriting retreat weekends, they began connecting over Zoom. And they would set up their computers in their closets, the literal only space they could find in their house while their whole families isolated together. Essentially, they began having long conversations, reflecting on the chaos and the pain in the world. This turned into music, and it was their attempt to reorient their hearts towards God and find what is good and beautiful in the world. Their lyrics would address injustice, equity, welcoming the immigrant and diversity, and it soon became clear that these songs were meant to be shared with the wider church. That was where their passion lay. And after releasing two singles in 2021, they knew their hunch was right. So with a hint of courage, they did what every good independent songwriter does. They started a Kickstarter and they smashed it. Their friends and friends and friends and fans all flocked to support the project and they raised more than $30,000. They called it the Wood Drake Sessions, a metaphor for hope in a weary world, and their dream was to have other musicians and friends join them on the record. They would make the album a vehicle to carry songs of hope and truth to the wider church. Now, over the next year, that dream became a reality. While both ministered in their hometowns, they would fly back and forth to Nashville, tracking and working with artists like Sandra McCracken and Liz Weiss. They found that the songs they sang took on an even deeper meaning through the process, They saw them outworked in their own churches and even experienced personal loss, which added more to the meaning of the songs. They released their album From the Valley to the Golden Shore in February, receiving a vast array of Christian media coverage. Through it all, the Wood Drake Sessions was emphasised as a metaphor for hope, inviting all God's people into the ancient truth and traditions of his church through a sound that encapsulates a diverse 
scarred yet hopeful people. I had the privilege of speaking to Paul Ranheim and Kirk Sawyers about creating the Wood Direct Sessions, what it actually means to find and experience hope through immense pain, and what their thoughts are about actually creating biblical songs for the church. These two men have such deep wells of wisdom and are really good guys. My friends, meet Paul and Kirk. This is the Wood Drake Sessions. Paul and Kirk, welcome to the Between You and Me podcast. You are the creators of the Wood Drake Sessions. To start with, Paul, can you describe Kirk in three words? Ooh, I like this. Oh my goodness. This is, this is, this is getting off, uh, getting this podcast off to, with, uh, with the bang. This is hard. With you three words already. <laughs> I know. Oh man. Um, man, I'd say, uh, creative, kind and loyal. Good choices. Mm. I like this. Okay. And Kirk, can you describe Paul in three words? Oh man, gosh! Totally fair. Yeah. Um. God, I hate I hate to say the same thing, but I think Paul is super creative and detailed, and um, just a great conversationalist. All great descriptive words. I enjoyed yeah. that. That's awesome. So we will get to the Wood Drake sessions, obviously, because that's the point of this. But how did you two meet? Yeah, so we we both used to live in Nashville, uh, and we met through a uh, – we had a mutual friend that, that started a so- songwriting retreat on the south side of Nashville. So we went down into the – hills of Nolansville, Tennessee, and met in a cabin there and uh, wrote a song or two together. And then we continued to write a little bit after that. Yeah, I love that. Um, And so you both have your own respective careers. You both work in churches in your individual locations. Before we get to, again, the Wood Drake sessions, can you both tell me individually a little bit of your background, what you currently do, and how you got to this spot in 2022? And we'll start with you, Kirk. Okay. Um, So currently I live uh, on the South Carolina-Georgia line. I live in South Carolina, but I work at a church right over the river, the Savannah River at First Presbyterian Church in Augusta. And uh, if you've never heard of Augusta, you may have heard of the Masters Golf Tournament. That helped me. And that is, uh, that's what we're known for. And um, so anyways, yeah, so I'm a worship leader uh, at First Presbyterian. And uh, gosh, was there more to that question? I think I... Uh, No, hang on. I mean, it was a very broad question, so you're doing well. Um, How we got... How I got there, was that it? Yeah, so you were in Nashville, and did you move to your current church for this job, or did you move before that? I did. So I uh, was living in Nashville, and just I, I worked a lot of interesting jobs when I lived in Nashville. I was wor- working my last interesting job uh, in Nashville, writing songs, and uh, uh, I was working at a Chick-fil-A, and... I got a call one day out of the blue from First Presbyterian, where I work now, about an opportunity to come and be uh, a worship leader there. And so I decided it was what God was calling me to do. And I packed up uh, all my belongings and my cat and put it in a U-Haul. And my wife and my son at the time, we all uh, drove down to Augusta. And I was crying. I I cried with a cat in a U-Haul. Uh, as a grown man, because I loved Nashville so much, but uh, but I knew it was the right thing to, to come here. So, and I've loved it here. Irrelevant, but what is your cat's name? Oh man, at the time, well, it's, oh, no. she has since died. Which oh, I'm so know, she's sorry. in now. <laughs> But her name, no, a, her name is was Thelma. Thelma. Long uh, Thelma. We've got a brand new cat now, and her name is Minnie, and she's. Okay. 
they both hold a special place in my heart. Queen, queen of the world, obviously. Where does my help come from? Where does my help come from? When the trouble rolls and the tempest blows and my hope is gone. Where can my faith be strong? Yeah, where can my faith be strong? When all I hear is the voice of fear and it rages on. Paul, can you tell me a bit about your story as a musician and now how you live, work in Colorado? Yeah, a bit of my story. Uh, so Kirk's from the southeast. I'm from the northwest. Uh, so I grew up outside of the Seattle area. Uh, did my undergrad in, in music composition and uh, kind of bounced around. I mean, I've lived in five countries now and uh, spent part of that time living up in Alaska, which is practically another country. Uh, worked as a conductor of a railway up there for a while. Uh, and let's see. Yeah, finally, I got, I got married and we, we moved to Nashville. So my wife could do a master's program there. And that's where I got connected to, to Kirk. Uh, did a bunch of music in Nashville. And then uh, when I finished or when my wife finished her program, we were just eager to get it back out West. Um, we, we missed the West coast and culturally, uh, the West. And, um, so we looked for a while. It was kind of during the, the beginning of the pandemic and then came across a, a church that was just starting out in, um, Boulder County, Colorado, uh, in a city called Longmont. And so I'm, I'm not only a musician and a songwriter, I'm also a ordained pastor. And so I'm one of two pastors at this church, uh, and we've been meeting for eight months now. Amazing. Um, so that's kind of what, kind of where I'm at now, and still doing music. Obviously, doing doing this project with Kirk. It's mm-hmm. uh, still a big big part of my life. Um, but that's what I'm up to these days. Yeah. So what I'm getting is that for both of you, life never stops because you are both musicians. You have families and your ministers, and in all of those aspects, they're full on. So that's I'm getting an idea. I grew up as a pastor's kid, so I'm just like okay. I'm getting the vibe now. So can you tell me, um, you guys, you obviously met pre-pandemic, but my understanding is that the Woodrake sessions started over essentially Zoom during the pandemic. So can you tell me how this started? Like how did you start, one, connecting with each other through the pandemic, but two, why create a whole new music collaborative project in this chaotic time? Yeah, I I tell my side first, Kirk. Um, so in, in between, before or right after we left Nashville, we did a, a four month road trip. We got a little teardrop trailer and traveled around the country. And one of the big takeaways as I went through that season of renewal and refreshment was I need I need to be and want to be writing music, uh, like writing the music in my heart. And so it was right there at the beginning of twenty twenty that. Uh, Kirk and I connected and I said, man, I really, I really want to be writing more. And we used to write really well back in, uh, back in Nashville. So let's, let's keep this up. And, uh, I carved out a little studio as with the same with my brother and his family in, in a basement closet. And, uh, right then that's when the pandemic started. And so my brother stole that studio for his office. I took a, a smaller closet and made that into another studio. And, uh, that's where, that's kind of where we started writing. And, it really didn't start to to really become a project. We didn't set out to start the Woodrick sessions. It was more of like um, we couldn't not write these songs. Uh, we needed to write songs that helped us process, that led us back to what was uh, beautiful and true and good. And so it was us just wrestling, honestly wrestling. Um, and sometimes it wasn't even songwriting. It was just us talking and saying like, hey, where are we? How are we processing the world being upside down? Uh, what do we need to be reminded of? And uh, both of us wired as songwriters, we just kind of, I think we both kind of have to uh, put words to the page and put put our emotions into the form of melodies. And uh, that's how really the, the first few songs started. 
um, there at the beginning of the pandemic. And it wasn't until uh, a few months into it that we started sharing with friends and, and got good feedback. We realized these, these probably need to be shared a little bit, a little bit more broadly. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's kind of what started the, the Woodrick sessions. Yeah. Kurt, can you tell me how the name came about and anything else you want to add to that story, obviously? Yeah, no, I think, I think Paul did a great job uh, kind of explaining how we, we started and why we started. Um, yeah, well, to kind of piggyback really off of where Paul finished, um, as we were beginning to uh, put music out more broadly uh, and actually make a few, we made two record our first two recordings, um, which are on our album, but we re- released them uh, a year and a half ago, almost now, uh, early 2021. And uh, there was sort of a... I don't know, sort of a test, like, hey, let's let's put these songs out and kind of see how kind of go from there. And uh, when you when you put music out, you have to have a name. <laughs> so we just really like we're wrestling, like, what what do we name what we're doing, and how do we name this? Like, so we just like I rem- we just literally spent hours just like coming through ideas after idea and if you need a band name we've got plenty of options for you just please just give me a call (laughs) but uh it really um paul had just read a poem from um, a guy named wendell berry if you're a wendell berry fan um and we were beginning to talk about wendell berry i'd recently read uh his novel uh jaber crow and and paul had stumbled across um a poem of his a, a well-known poem called the peace of wild things and uh which paul maybe uh, maybe could you pull it up, up while i'm talking and uh i'll let you read it in a second i think it's worth reading but it's just um when we read it it, it basically talks about um when despair comes within you go down to the water where the wood drake rests and um, I'm going to stop and just let Paul read it and then I'll pick it up from there. Yeah, this is how it goes. When despair for the world grows in me and I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water, and I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting with their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world, and I am free. Yeah, so um, that poem just kind of hit us like a ton of bricks, and especially where we found ourselves kind of right at the onset of the pandemic. And we really wanted our music to kind of be sort of these songs that kind of do that, that lead us down into these quiet waters where we can be renewed and restored and back to the the beauty and see the beauty of God when, when despair is growing within, you know? And so we, we just kind of wanted, we thought, man, that's, we would love if our songs did that and sort of did this lead us back to God lead us back to his beauty and the stillness of his beauty. I feel like I understand your project so much, so much better now. And that the foundation, I was listening to the album before we were chatting 
I hear that. I hear that. Yeah, that that peace and tranquility and rest is there. Thank you for doing this. That's so I, I think when I was reading the bio, it talks about like essentially your songs pointing to hope. Um and I can hear that in the music, but it's it's not in my reflection, it's not like a, a superficial version of hope. It's a acknowledging and resting in the pain, knowing that it will pass. And that is how you have the hope and find in the hope and experience God, um, which is something quite unique, I think. Um, so thank you both for pushing through in what was a really, really hard time and creating something so gorgeous. That's really needed. Um, can you tell me why you chose to call the album From the Valley to the Golden Shore? And if there was there a certain like premise behind it, or is this the culmination of your time together creating? Yeah, well, the the, the song the, or the the title comes from the first song, uh, "Oh How Good to Be Together," um, which is a song uh, that really was was written as churches were canceled, uh, not canceled, but just not meeting in person, and and we felt that we look forward to the day that we could be together and recognize that there would be a sweetness that would come like absence makes the heart fonder and that, uh, in, in the real pain and the real absence, uh, recognize that, you know, the, the Lord works in these, in these kinds of places and can make us appreciate what we're missing all the more. And so we wrote the song in anticipation that there would be joy when we, we come back together. And so, um, the end of the chorus ends with this line, evermore he will keep us from the valley to the golden shore. And like you said, this 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 whole album is one of hope. Um, and I love, love the way you even put it there, Jess, because we were, we were really trying to use, talk about hope in ways that wasn't like just covering, like putting icing over, uh, over pain, but really like to sit in it and say, no, there, there really is, some deep pain in our world and far beyond the pandemic, there's some deep pain in our world and our lives. And let's be as honest as we can and recognize that that's where, that's where hope can reach. Uh, it can reach into the, the darkest of places and the most painful of places. Uh, I mean, even when we were designing the, the cover art for the album, I remember t- talking to uh, the artist, Stephen Krotz and just saying, Hey, Stephen, like we have this idea of like this Valley and this golden shore clearly, but I want there to be wreckage in the front, like clear, painful stories that is the most like forefront thing in the image, because that's what we want this album to be. Like, yes, there's hope and yes, there's, uh, there's a presence of God, but we want this album to um, be able to name and to embody some of the, the real aches that so many of us feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's a little bit of the story behind From the Valley to the Golden Shore. Yeah. First song that I heard, uh, that I heard was "I See a King," um, and straight away I I heard words and lyrics about. Well, I think I haven't read them, so tell me if I heard it wrong about equity and a, and a God like who or a King who welcomes refugees. Um, I don't want to beam in straight on that because I know there's there's a lot to your album beyond just those simple lyrics. But what struck me was that you were bold enough, honest enough, you and your team, the people you're working with, to create music about, I mean, things that are in the Bible, but uh, but that we don't always talk about or, or that are sort of like weirdly, I think, taboo. Um, and I would say from a Christian music perspective, it's not necessarily something that we we approach very often um was there sorry I'm trying to figure out where I'm going because it was an observation but was there was there an intention intentionality in terms of actually uh authentically but bringing bringing pain bringing issues to the surface that we as God's followers and we as the church have to have to grapple with and have to be like Christ with? Was, was that something that you intentionally tried to do? Or was this literally just a really personal effort and a, really a, a reflection of your faith and what you guys were grappling with 
and it sort of just came on to and was recorded essentially? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I think uh, maybe a little bit of both. Uh, I think I, I definitely think we 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 wrote this song um, in the middle of a lot of the uh, you know really world worldwide news of injustices and uh, there was a lot of things going on in America with racial injustice and um, just the the sort of the chaos of, of uh, election years and all that kind of stuff and so there was there was definitely a personal place where we we just just wanted to uh, see this it's a visionary song about looking to the perfect king who will make it all yeah. all the wrongs right you know and uh, so it's this sort of like I feel like we brought this like desire for that future reality to the table. Um, one particular day when we just got together. And, uh, I remember just the, the, um, the title was the one thing we had. It was like, I see a King. And it's like, you just wanted to say, well, what do you see in that King? You know? And you, we began to just talk about what does the scripture tell us about who this King is and what he will do and who he cares for and how he reigns, you know? And we just really began to unpack that and, and I felt like we were unpacking that in the midst of a lot of emotional, um, the emotional turmoil of our time, you know, as well. So it wasn't just a, uh, it wasn't, ju- it wasn't just like saying, Hey, what does the Bible say? Which of course it was that, but it was very much combined with like the angst that we felt, uh, in that particular season that we were in with, uh, with just sort of the chaos of that, of the, I believe I was the, summer of 2020 uh, was kind of when we wrote that but um so yeah there's definitely like there is a a personal touch uh a a personal uh sorry not touch but personal um approach where we just wanted which i feel like a lot of one unique thing about this album is a lot of these songs are just us trying to sing the faith into our own hearts you know and so we're we're sort of just saying what is what does God want me to believe right now in, in the midst of this? And and how can I sing that into my heart to believe it? You know, um, uh, because there's a lot of voices around me saying what I should think and what I should believe. And there's a lot of temptation for me to want to hear those voices and listen to those voices. And really the only voice that matters ultimately uh, is the voice of God. And that's, that's kind of what we're trying to capture. I think in that, and so I hope it's an encouragement, and, I, and I, uh, to the to the church at church broadly to um, to sing of a God who welcomes you know the refugee, and to sing of the God who who uh, celebrates the 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 least of these, and um, who reigns in equity and all those things. I, I hope we sing. I hope we sing more and more of that in the church. song too um yeah i think uh, uh to answer your question i think both of those are very b- both the things in your question are very true uh, it was deeply personal and it was like it was philosophical as well i mean i know that as as i've looked at scripture i mean justice is just 
it's all over it. God's people caring for the poor and the marginalized and Jesus. And even as we look into, uh, into the, into the eternal heavens, it's filled with this multiracial transnational tribe, uh, and that is beautiful. And, and so when I, uh, when I come to our repertoire to choose songs for the various churches I've been a part of, it, it seems like this, this element, uh, songs that talk about issues of justice seem few and far between. You know, if you look back in old hymnals, they have like these index of all these different topics. And if you want to sing a song on X, like there's songs for it. And there's, it, it wasn't total. it didn't cover every single topic, but it sure covered a ton of them. And as I've gone through like the common library of more modern worship songs, when I come to these elements of like, man, how does the gospel of God's love for us in the world impact and change our lives for service and love of neighbor as we're formed to be more like Christ, I don't have a lot of songs that deal with uh, poverty and injustice and the marginalized. So that was, that's definitely something that was in the back of our heads, in the back of our minds, and forefront of our hearts as we kind of processed a lot of the racial injustice following George Floyd and Beyond Taylor. Um, Alf Kirk kind of share a little bit of his story too, because uh, it it wasn't. It wasn't just personal for us, like watching the news or interacting with our friends, but uh, for Kirk in particular, these issues are deep into the fabric of his church and a lot of the ministry that they're doing there. Uh, I'm not going to speak for Kirk, Kirk, so I'll let let him tell that story. Yeah, so well, my my church is about 220 years old, which is pretty rare for a church in in the United States, Uh, and. so I'm also in the deep South. And so there's a lot of history with our church and slavery and uh, in particular, our balcony uh, that we have in our church actually held slaves. And so, um, you know, fast forward a couple hundred years and to today, our church actually has a, a number of African-American staff two two African-American pastors uh and so, which is in and of itself is, is just a really cool story of redemption inside of the life of our church. And even in this, in the culture that we're in, um, here in the deep South, but in particular that we were singing that song one evening. And I just remember it was the first time we introduced the song actually at our church. And I looked up in the balcony and just saw one of our, uh, African-American pastors singing this song. I'm like, it just, what a story of like, it just, I, I, I almost like dropped to my knees. It was just unreal. Like that was, a, a, you know, a place where that held slaves at one point. And now my African-American pastor who shepherds me is singing this song, you know, what a cool story. And, uh, and that's the, that's the King that he is. I love that. That's incredible. I love how, something that has been deeply working and God has been working in your hearts and in your communities and it's reflected in your craft. I know it would just make sense to reflect what is personal into the whole, but it's, uh, it's, it's just really cool to see and to hear about like something so personal being outworked in your community um, and in a community setting and in a church setting. Um, I, I love that because it's it's doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes it can feel like we're silos that we're doing something and and we're not being supported in it, or vice versa. Um, but but I just I love that this is something that clearly you guys aren't in alone. You have community, you've got family, you've got leaders and mentors around you journeying with you in it. I think that's really special. It reminds me that the kingdom of God and whatever Christian music is is a much bigger than just us. Um, and that's my TED talk, but I will go on to my next question for you. (laughs) Um, now I know that you have some special guests on this album, including Sandra McCracken. How did you decide who featured on what song? Did you write songs specifically for people? How did that work? Yeah, we, um, we did not write songs specifically for people, uh, as we were coming to the recording process, uh, our posture has just been, man, we believe in these songs and, who is going to make these songs come to life the best? Like how can we steward these songs the best? And if it's our voices, great. And if it's someone else, wonderful. 
And so the first one was actually Sandra and we were playing it one day and, and I, her voice popped in my head seeing it and um, I, I couldn't get it out. And we talked about it and we're like, Oh man, that song is just made for her. And we asked her and she was gracious enough to say, to say yes, which was awesome. Um, and then the second, or I guess the, the very first one was actually Tammy Bullock, who is a friend that we'd, we'd sung with, um, not a famous artist, but just has an incredible voice. And she sang tender and mighty and man, she made that song come alive in a way that Kirk and I just could not ever play the song that way. Um, and after that, I mean, things just kind of kept rolling. Um, Grace Will was uh, my friend, Wendell Kimbrough, uh, called up and asked him and did a great job. And, uh, and then the last two for Liz Weiss uh, and Leslie Jordan, we were talking with our producer and about these last couple songs, like who could make these songs come to life. And um, those names came up and I'm grateful, grateful. I'm so grateful that all five, five for five, mm-hmm. we asked five people and all five said yes. And they believed enough in the songs and enough in the project to, to put their name and their voice on it. So uh, it's been, it's been so much fun to, to see these songs, um, take on new shapes and new colors and uh, have a life of their own that we dreamed of and yet never dreamed that they could be that cool. Um, so it's been, it's been so much fun to bring other, other collaborators in. I was an orphan Out in the cold came and sought me to love and adopt me and give me a home now I got a father and you'll never leave I know forever all of your favor is following me hallelujah praise your name you're my shepherd sun or rain everywhere you be Tell me about any specific songs that really stand out to you on the project. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, these, these songs were these songs were deeply personal as we wrote them, and in many ways, they've grown even more personal since then. Uh, one of those great examples would be uh, the tune "Grace Will Prevail." It's the first song we wrote for this this record. Is the old song. Um, Kirk came in with just the title one day and said, I want to write a song called Grace Will Prevail. It's like, I'm all in. Let's do that. That is a song. And and we wrote it, and it sat there on the shelf for a while, and we didn't think it'd be part of this project, but we kept coming back, and eventually it made the cut because we believed in it so much. And fast forward to this fall, this last fall, we had we recorded it. Uh, I was just getting the mixes, and my dad got incredibly sick and ended up in the ICU, and um, was really taking taking a terrible turn for the worse. And as we walked through there, Kirk was Kirk was in Nashville with a whole bunch of musicians uh, recording the kind of the next phase of the project. I couldn't be there because I was up with my family. And um, I was going in to see my dad for that for the very last time. And I I texted my producer. I was like, Hey, can you send me? Can you send me? I know we haven't mastered it, but can you send me a mix of that song because this is the song that I want to share with my dad. Like I still wanted him to hear the whole project, but can I share any of it? And so I went in and I uh, got to spend these last 30 minutes with my, my dad. And one of the things that I shared was the song, uh, Grace Will Prevail. And I got to play it, set my phone on his shoulder and, and uh, share these, these words, but they're the words that I need to hear in that moment. Uh, that, uh, that in, even in the darkest places, grace will prevail. And there's this line right at the end of the third verse it's talking about who Jesus is and says he's with us and weeps by our side till the day they forever run dry. And that's what I need to be reminded of. Like I need to remind that, that Jesus is not just, uh, not just the, uh, the savior of resurrection who brings life to death, but he's also the one who stands at the grave and weeps. And uh, I needed him there with me to weep with me. 
And I need to remind that that was the kind of God that we, we know and love and worship. And at the same time, need to be reminded that there will be a day uh, when the tears will be no more, that even my dad lying in the ICU would thoroughly agree with the words of that song and say, yes, there's hope. Uh, there's hope, not just for the wonderful sunny days, but there's hope in the middle of an ICU with a father on his deathbed uh, where I'm saying my last words to him. Like, that's, that's why I need this project. That's why I need these songs. And I never expected the songs to minister back to me uh, in unexpected ways. But that was one of the ways that like, my word, I need, I needed hope. I need a reminder that, that, that we have a hope that weeps with us uh, and a hope that will one day wipe away those very tears. Grace will prevail Though the darkness is strong And the burden weighs heavy and long Grace will prevail For our God is the light Rending the cover of night Grace will prevail Grace will prevail In the valleys of shame Where the echoes of failure remain Grace will prevail With a cry to the Lord There's a mountain of mercy in store Grace will prevail Wait for the Lord our God Wait for the Lord our God Wait for the Lord our rest and reward and our peace Grace will prevail How do you both meld your church work and being with your families with musical opportunities and, and your hopes and dreams for, for what you do with your music. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think, uh, you know, we're both very committed to our communities and our, uh, you know, local, local churches where we're at. And so that's, I feel like that's sort of an ethos of like what we do and, and uh, we, we, we don't want to necessarily step away from that. Uh, as a, as a thing. And I feel like, um, I feel like it's, it's something that strengthens what we do to be honest with you is because we, we really just, our, our heart is to, uh, is for these songs to be, uh, and our music to be something that helps shepherd the church and shepherd God's people. And kind of going back to our, our name, the Woodrake Sessions, we, we want our songs to be sort of these works of art that lead God's people to the still waters of God's presence. And uh, I think that the local commitment that that's there is, is really important for that because that's, and I think that's where the life on life shepherding is happening. You know what I mean? And we can really experience uh, just what we do musically in these, in this, in that context, really powerful. Um. You know, of course, we our our desire is for our, our music also to get to as many people as possible. We would love to get it to as many ears and uh, and many uh, and and our our dream is for many churches to sing these songs. We really think um, we really think that there's some songs in here that that the church would really uh, um, you know be, benefit from singing together and uh, and so. Yeah, we, uh, we definitely have those aspirations as well with this project is to, to get it to the masses. I don't know how we balance it. It's, it's always a strange balance working with time zones. We're currently in three time zones right now. And uh, I've got uh, two kids and uh, one on the way. So that, that's always a challenge too. But Paul, Paul always works very graciously with me to be a good a good collaborator in that so yeah one thing that really helps is that our uh our churches are super supportive um 
our church is seeing this music and love this music and want us to keep writing. Um, and neither of us are trying to, um, uh, I, the positive way to say it is both of us are really trying to stay deeply invested in our communities. Um, if there's opportunities to share, share music on a broader scale, then we'll, we'll take it up. Um, so we're playing a, a significant event later this month and it'll be wonderful. And at the same time, we are spending as many Sundays with our church as we, as we possibly can, because that's our church and we love them. And we, we want to be people who are rooted deeply in the local church. And that's, that's kind of, that is, it is the bouncing act that we're looking, we're trying to do though, is how can we be present with our family and present with our church and to get music out there still takes work um, to be able to share the songs. So uh, we're trying to do all three of them. I'm not sure if we're bouncing at the best, um, but it's a little bit of like why these songs exist. Like these songs call us to rest in, in many ways. And we sing that and we even chose the name Woodrick Sessions because man, we need it. I mean, we are people that who desperately need to pause and go down to that back pond and, and rest. Yeah. Uh, so I think we're still, we're still learners very much in that. Yeah. If you go back in time, say like right before the pandemic started um, we, and before we were sort of like the whole world was stopping, what would you tell yourself knowing what you know now? Um, I would tell myself it's more work than you ever dreamed it would be. And it's way worth it. Like I would say, like put your, push, push the pedal in the metal, yeah. go like, and that would probably be part of it. And the other part is like, uh, like I would encourage myself to bring my heart to the songwriting process and to every aspect of the process way faster. Mm-hmm. The best songs that we wrote were those when we, we kind of brought our authentic emotions and struggles to the process and to the, stu- to the studio as well. And uh, I, I mean, I'm like, the faster that we can get there, the better fruit and results come from it. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, um, uh, you, <laughs> this, uh, I feel like we've, as we've sort of developed an ethos, sort of like what, how we write together. I mean, we've kind of just figured out like, hey, this is how we write together. And uh, it's, um, it's definitely a commitment. You know what I mean? I feel like we, we both um, spend a lot of time on these songs. So we don't, kind of, we don't sort of do one Typically, we don't do one songwriting session and, and move on. We will we'll spend a number of weeks. Um, maybe even there might be one or two in there that we were in in the months on on just like kind of really shaping these songs. Um, and I would say, uh, I would tell myself that you you need this um, deeply yeah. uh, because I, I feel like. Um, man, I, as I even look back on the past few years and like the things that God has told me, like, and, and taught me and, and how he shaped me, like, um, I feel like I've processed so much of walking by faith through this time with Paul and in putting these lyrics and melody down and trying to do it in the best way that says that my heart will resonate with it. And I've needed that so much. <clears throat> and I didn't, think I needed, I don't think I realized my need for personally just being in the songwriting process. And so I'd say to myself, um, dig in, your heart needs this. was Kirk and Paul and I don't know about you but the stories that they shared right at the end of that interview just amazing it showed hope in action 
hope and love and justice and reconciliation in action. It was so good. Thank you so much, Kirk and Paul. Now, the album by The Wood Drake Sessions came out a couple of months ago. It is called From the Valley to the Golden Shore, and it is out now on all major streaming platforms. Go and stream it. Put it in the background. Worship to it if that's your thing. Do devotions to it. If you're struggling to sort of feel a connection with a church community at the moment, or you don't feel like you have a place there, I feel like you could even turn this album on and just listen to it and sing along to it if you want and and experience God. Because there's a lot of truth in this album and it also seems to promote this unity and this community, which is a beautiful, I feel like it could be a really beautiful healing balm for a lot of people, myself included. You can follow the Wood Drake Sessions online now. They are on Instagram at the Wood Drake Sessions. And if you would like to connect individually with Paul and Kirk, please do so. You will find Kirk on Instagram at Kirk Sawyers. That is K-I-R-K-S-A-U-E-R-S. And Paul Ranheim is at Paul Ranheim Music. P-A-U-L-R-A-N-H-E-I-M-M-U-S-I-C. And if you got lost in all those letters and words, the links are in the show notes and you'll also find all the details about the album and these men and their project on our website at betweenyouandmepod.com. If you enjoyed hearing their stories and got something out of it, please let them know, send them a message, shoot them a comment. This is independent work that they did. Their album was crowdfunded and they will really appreciate it. Now, while you're at it, uh, if you haven't subscribed yet to Between You and Me, would you please go and do so? We, we've just hit 120 episodes like officially. We've done a few extras, but that's pretty cool. Earlier this year, I didn't even know if we we're going to get more episodes out. Here we are. Yay. So please go and subscribe now. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, random places you've never heard of. Go and follow us, like us, subscribe. And would you also please leave a review? Reviews are great at the moment. For some reason, There have been a bazillion Between You and Me podcasts that have popped up in the last few months. You search us and it's actually quite hard now to find us. So would you do me a favor and please give us a star rating and a review? I don't know, say something cool about Australia or hi or loved it or listen to it. I mean, great. Thank you for listening. It's great. Um, That would be awesome. And while you're at it, go and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. It's where we are most active. You'll find us at Between You and Me pot. Now we are on a roll with episodes and it's not stopping. Next week I am speaking to Elias Dummer, formerly of the City Harmonic. He has been working on a solo project called The Work Volume 2 for a little while now. Last year I actually interviewed him about this really special project. He really pushes the envelope and boundary, asking some hard questions about the evangelical church and about nationalism. And he actually invited a whole bunch of his backers to be guest singers on his album, which makes it really special. So make sure you're subscribed. And next week, we'll be dropping that up, including some tracks from the album, which is out then. All right, that's all I have for this week. Thank you, friends, for showing up, for listening, for embracing stories. Thank you for doing the healing, hopeful, and really hard work with me. That's all I have for you. My name is Jessica Morris. Here's to hope. While I was sleeping, Lord, you were working. On the mess I made like only I can do When I start thinking I'm so far from you I wake up to hear you whisper that's not true well, Good morning, mercy You call me worthy Feels like the sun shining on my face Living's good this side of grace I